the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site covering the Arizona Cardinals, and this is episode 454. It is a solo show recording on a Thursday night. This is not the show that I I thought we were going to have, uh, which was basically just a short short one talking about um, the preseason finale coming up on Saturday, but the Cardinals decided to do a whole bunch of stuff. Um, we're, we're without Seth till Tuesday. Uh, we're going to wish him well. He's he's recovering from some procedure, got some stuff going on, so we're going to wish him some luck, and he should be back on Tuesday um, in terms of other type of scheduling. After the preseason game on Saturday, the Cardinals have until Tuesday to make their final cuts. I anticipate... Uh, putting together a, a roster prediction, a roster cuts pre, um, projection show. I'll probably do it on Sunday, maybe Saturday, um, after the preseason game, get some stuff from Seth and, and kind of share that with y'all as things things drastically got kind of funny. It, it's kind of a funny thing because um, for the NFL Wire, for, for the USA Today NFL Wire Network, we do some network articles where each each NFL editor, every team editor, puts something together for their team. And the one that's coming up, I think it's, it's going to publish on, on, on Friday, is Friday or Saturday, is Surprise Cuts. My goodness. My, my predictions were good predictions, only they didn't get cut at the final cuts. Um, one was cut. That was Mad Hawk. That was my like, surprise cut. Uh, I was predicting that. Um, but they, they cut them early. And and the other one, I said, oh, Josh Jones could be cut. No, but that's what we're going to talk about in this show is the fact that Josh Jones was one of three trades the Cardinals made on Thursday, and and, and that's what I'm about. I know we won't get Seth's insight until until Tuesday, and it might not matter by then. But the Cardinals made three trades on Tuesday, um, which both clarifies and adds question marks to to the roster entering the 2023 season. And let's start with the first one. So this show, what kind of what I want to do, I want to talk about each of the trades, look ahead to their their draft capital for 2024, and then briefly look at to their to their preseason game that they have coming up on on Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Arizona time, um, against the Minnesota Vikings on the road. Let's start with the first trade, which was I you know I was at I was at my other job. Um, if you don't know, I teach high school. Um, I do sort of both uh, jobs. Parallelly, I don't try to treat this job like it's a like a side hustle. It began that way, but I've been writing and now podcasting about the Cardinals for over a decade, and I don't consider it a int or a hobby. They say, um, but you know, I, I was given class, and oh, I think it was right before class started, and I, I saw the notification of Madam Schefter about the Cardinals trading Isaiah Simmons to the Giants. For a seventh round pick. Oh my goodness! I mean, this is we we continue to see a roster tear down, and it's very interesting to see what how the 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 upper manager, so Monty Austin for general manager and head coach Jonathan Gannon, how they view the roster because 
Simmons was, I will say this, and I talked about, this is something I mentioned on the last show. If you look at what Simmons has done statistically, it's not been bad at all. He, he fills the stat sheet across the board. He does make plays. The problem is, when he makes mistakes, they're bad, and they may look, make him look bad. And so he's made some fantastic plays. He's been a good player for the Cardinals, but he has enough lapses or, or, or bad leverage or, or poor technique that get him into trouble. And it became clear that the Cardinals' new head coach and, and new general manager just didn't feel, a, didn't value Simmons the way the last game did. Obviously, the the Cardinals drafted Simmons eighth overall in 2020. Um, they had high hopes for him. He, he's got talent up the wazoo. They tried to be basically make him a linebacker slash do-it-all player. And he could do a lot of different things in these things. He did pretty all right, but he was not elite at, at anything. And there were still enough mistakes. Like his in twenty twenty didn't play much. In twenty twenty one he played a lot and he made lots of plays. Like who can forget the 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 inter, the overtime interception against the against the, the Seahawks. I don't remember twenty twenty, but he, he made several plays um in twenty twenty one. He also gave up a few. Like and that's one thing that Vance Joseph, the former defensive coordinator, would say is that you know, he made some plays, but he's gotta give up fewer. Last year he did a better job of that, but last year his role changed as well. He was playing a little less linebacker and became the Cardinals prime receive slot slot defender that is not slot receiver slot corner because of their cornerback situation they had they had signed a guy Jeff Gladney he ended up dying in a car accident um Antonio Hamilton By- Byron Murphy was kind of their guy that played the slot primarily they needed him to play the boundary and Antonio Hamilton and Marco Wilson were battling it out Antonio ended up winning that battle but then badly burned his feet in a kitchen accident and missed a lot of Mitch a good chunk of the season and so Simmons was working with the safeties last year and ended up playing a lot of slot corner and aside from that season opener against the Chiefs he he did play poorly he he wasn't prepared he played with bad technique and it showed he got sort of benched and then kind of played back into the lineup and and if you notice the rest of the year he was never really exposed this is a 6'4 235 guy that's covering you know 5'8 slot receivers or even big slot receivers tight Tight ends. He really didn't get. He wasn't exposed at all. It, there, he didn't do everything great. But he's now. He, they move him to safety this off season. Everyone, the kind of vibe feels like, yeah, this is a natural position. Being able to have you know Simmons back there, Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson, it really can can unlock some of the potential that Simmons had. And then the game against the Chiefs it wasn't good. And I, I don't I don't know how the the talks were with other teams if there was multiple if there were multiple suitors if the Cardinals were went around shopping him, but a first round pick. Now salary wise, they don't save much because he was paid uh, two point four million dollars in his roster in a roster bonus. They, the Cardinals with their first round picks have done this kind of recently. Is that they they give the guys their signings, and then rather than you know locking that rest of that money in that guaranteed money in salary, they they kind of been you know 
they will pay the minimum salary to on the books as that, and then they would give their first round, former first round picks a roster bonus at the beginning of training camp. Um, I, I don't know if that's standard operating procedure for other teams. That's what the card because Kyler Murray has it that way. Isaiah Simmons had it that way. And so he's technically for $1.01 million. The Cardinals are only going to save that amount because they paid him $2.4 million at the start of training camp, which means they were they were fine with biting the bullet. So uh, like with DeAndre Hopkins, they were fine eating that salary, uh, eating that paid money to send him to another team to get a seventh-round pick. Now, granted, he is in the final year of his contract, and, and there is some optimism that, that in New York that he's going to be able to be unlocked by by their defensive coordinator week martindale and and it's going to be interesting because while the cardinals and jonathan gannett had kind of limited him to playing safety just kind of limited his role kind of focused it a little bit they're going to use him in, in new york basically the way that vance joseph used him um they're going to he looks like he's probably going to start at inside linebacker he's going to probably be a situational pass rusher they'll use him a little bit in coverage and it It'll be nice for for that defensive coordinator there to be able to uh, use him in a lot of different ways. But what's funny is that he's going to be doing exactly what he was doing before when it felt like he wasn't hadn't kind of untapped his potential. There was Mike Jarecki kind of suggested that well he he's close with DeAndre Hopkins that that Simmons was let's say it kind of unhappy to be here wanted to be somewhere else and maybe that showed down the stretch. And it feels it feels weird after a after a lackluster preseason performance that they would just jettison him. Um, we all saw we all saw the the lack of effort on the Shane Bouchelle touchdown run when and and it wasn't even like a business decision because we've seen defensive backs do that before with like big running backs coming hit down to the end zone and they make a business decision to kind of let up Simmons with his speed and. His size could have completely leveled Bouchelle, and, and he didn't. He just let him go to the end zone. If, if you remember what the what Simmons is able to do, if you remember that game against the 49ers, I think it was in 2021, and he like collided with Trey Lance at the goal line and just absolutely demolished himself and Lance. That's the type of thing we've seen Simmons do before, and and yeah, but now he's gone, and it does. It it's a very interesting thing that it does. That's because, one, um, it opens up the safety room. And you now you only have two safeties that you know and feel are, are valid starters. And then you have to really test the depth after that. Um, who are the guys to consider? I, I think Andre Sassere, a uh, special teams guy from the Eagles, was with the Cardinals for a minute. I think it was back in 2018 or 2019 as an undrafted rookie. Didn't make the team, but his has started has was with the Eagles last season played a little safety special teams you kind of feel like he's got a lock on the roster but it also Juju Hughes um he got some playing time looked like he was a little more suited for for safety but it'll be interesting to see how that how that plays out because you really only kind of love the two safeties that they've got in Jalen Thompson and 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 Buda Baker and and unless because what we saw saw with Simmons back there is that Jalen Thompson was their slot receiver corner. They played him in the slot, kind of how the Eagles played Chauncey, uh, what's his name? See, 
Garner Johnson. See Chauncey Garner Johnson over there in Philly. If he's played safety, lined up in the slot, that they were using Jalen Thompson like this. Now the question now is going to become: What do they do next? Do they bring that three safety set, and then they bring in a guy like Juju Hughes to play deep safety and, and keep Thompson in the slot, or will they keep Thompson and playing in the role that he did for the Cardinals of the last three years? And and then you guys, then we saw Antonio Hamilton playing in the slot in the game against the Chiefs. If he could then become your third cornerback. And you go with that in, instead. You can go with Thompson and, and Baker on the back end. Use Hamilton in the slot, and then you have reserve slash teams safeties. A guy, guys that will fill in, but won't really get defensive snaps unless there is an injury. And so that kind of leaves that. Now, an interesting fact is the fact that, that Simmons won't be gone long because the Cardinals will host the Giants in Week Two. It's their home opener, and so. It, it, just two weeks into the season, and Simmons will get to have his revenge game, if you want to call it that, or a homecoming, or or whatnot. And it, you kind of look at what's what the reality is. There's there's some saying good riddance. There's some acting like Simmons was a great player. What Simmons was was an incredibly talented player who made some elite plays, but didn't quite get un getting untap or didn't tap into his income sex his talents and success completely uh he's kind of a you know your classic master of all trade like jack of all trades master of none and that's kind of what it was like there was no it didn't feel like that he had one particular trait to his game where he was great at like he was not a great tackler he was not great in coverage he was not a great pass rusher um he can move real well. He was, like, when he get the ball in his hands a couple of times, he, he was not a ball hawk, per se. He had uh, a few interceptions in, in his three seasons with the Cardinals. But he could do it all, but there was nothing special that he a player. And, and I guess that's the disappointing thing, is because when you draft a player like that eighth overall, kind of what the expectation was is that he would become something special. Um... I was surprised by the trade, but not overly surprised at the trade because it, this is just another case of this general manager, Monty Austin Fort, viewing roster building differently than time did. And we, we see with how they handle the linebacker position, these are all lower draft picks than they're producing um, it, but it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because it, it does kind of open things up. It's like you know that he's gone, um, and so what's going to happen at the safety position? What's going to happen with the defensive back rotation? That's the other thing. So kind of watch um, in in the preseason finale, and I don't. And we'll talk about the preseason, but I don't expect anyone of note to play. But if you see Antonio Hamilton playing significant snaps in the slot. Pay attention to who they have running in the slot to see if if, if that's kind of the reps that they're going to get. Um, and I, I wonder how long these talks were happening and if that was one of perhaps one of the things that maybe that got in the way of Simmons' play on Saturday. Um, 
where he knew he was kind of out the door and, and he was he, he'd already in his mind packed his bags, which is it's a very human thing to do. But yeah, so coming up next on the Rise of Seaward podcast, special for Cardinals Talk on the Web, let's talk about the second trade on Thursday, and that's Josh Jones. Tackle Josh Jones coming up next on Rise of Seaward. We're back on the Rise of Seaward podcast, special for Cardinals Talk on the Web. Josh Jones was the second trade. I, I was not surprised at all. I was just surprised today. I thought it might happen over the weekend leading up to final cuts, but no. Uh, the Houston Texans make a deal to bring Josh Jones back to the Houston area. Of course, he played for the University of Houston. He returns to the Houston area um, to, to the Texans. The Cardinals packaged him and a seventh-round pick. So basically, uh, essentially, they traded... Simmons and Josh Jones to get a fifth pick. Uh, and that's what, so they traded Josh Jones. They traded their seventh round pick to the Houston Texans and got in return their fifth round pick, which now interesting fact, the Cardinals now have, they now own three of the Texans draft picks next year. They have the Texans number one pick. They have their third round pick and now they have their fifth round pick. Now, granted the, the Texans also have the Cardinals seventh round pick. That's fine. There's nothing to do with that, but the writing was kind of on the wall for Josh Jones, and it came down to this. He was a left tackle. Um, he can play right tackle. It, it, you could tell that it wasn't, he wasn't nearly as comfortable playing on the right side. He didn't play right guard particularly well when he, when he had the chance two seasons ago. Now, he played quite well at left tackle. But the Cardinals have a left tackle that they love in DJ Humphreys. They drafted Paris Johnson. They re-signed Kelvin Beecham to a two-year your deal and complete guaranteed his salary this year. Josh Jones was going to now that there was talk, there was some speculation maybe you'd plug him in at left guard. But then they signed Elijah Wilkinson and Dennis Daly, and and Jones didn't get a lick of time at, at guard this offseason. He'd been practicing at, at right tackle, left tackle, and we that's where we saw him in the preseason. He played right tackle for a game and he played left tackle for a game, and he didn't look great at right tackle. And he played pretty well at left tackle. Um, but in terms of building the roster, you already have Humphreys and you have Paris Johnson. Their number one pick that's going to start at right tackle. You have, then basically it became a, a battle between Beecham and Jones to be the swing tackle. Beecham has much more experience. He's been a good left tackle and a good right tackle. His money's completely guaranteed this year. He's 30-something years old. And so he gives you steadiness, and he's a guy that, that Jonathan Gannon and Monty Austin Fort actually sought to resign. So he was, became one of their guys. Jones was entering the final year of his, of his contract, and just there wasn't a space for him because they didn't view him as a, as a guard. He, unless he, be, in, in my roster projections, I've seen, uh, he was basically, at best, offensive line number nine. Because you have your starting five, so you got Humphreys, you got Wilkinson, you yelled for a Holt, yelled for a Holt. You've got Will Henderson, uh, Will Hernandez, that is, and you have Paris Johnson. Then you have Dennis Daly, who was basically offensive line number six. You've got the rookie John Gaines, who's the backup center, and then you have um, your swing tackle. That's going to be Beecham or Jones. So which one of those are you going to? And I thought I felt that Beecham would probably have it. And then their ninth offensive lineman. Do they want a young? developing guy like a Marquise Hayes seventh round pick last year guard um, do they want to go with like Orton 
that they acquired this offseason, Clemson center guard? Do you want to do a guard tackle? Do you want to do another tackle? But but Jones is just like it for that ninth offensive lineman. It's usually going to be a young guy, and it's usually going to be someone who you can develop a little bit. And Jones didn't quite fit that bill. Now going to Houston if he if he gets an opportunity to play that might be a great spot for him. And he's due, he's going to make two point seven million dollars. He hit the playing time escalator, um, and so the Cardinals do save a little bit of money in that in that sense. But if he was going to get cut anyway, then. But instead, they get a fifth-round pick. Um, they get rid of a seventh-round pick. They pick up a fifth-round pick, which they're going to use later. <laughs> and so I saw the writing on the wall months ago, <laughs> even before the off-season program. I mean, even before training camp. So during the off-season program, just the numbers didn't add up. And if you looked at the guys that they signed, they had guaranteed money. Not just guaranteed like their signing bonus, but the guaranteed salary, which means the Cardinals are going to have to pay him no matter what. Elijah Wilkinson's ca- contract, 940000 of his salary is guaranteed. Dennis Daly, I think 400000 of his salary is guaranteed. Calvin Beecham, all of his $1.16 million is, is fully guaranteed. And so at looking at that, you know that you kind of see that that's where that they made their commitment. And Jones just wasn't it. Now, could he develop into something nice? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he could. And if he if he becomes a, a very good left tackle, then the Cardinals might have missed out. Except, except, they just drafted Paris Johnson. So even if if DJ Humphreys, they decide to move on from him, I think they believe they already have their their franchise left tackle in, in Paris Johnson. Whether they whether they keep DJ for another year or two or three, they're going to keep him playing. You got Paris on the right side and transition. You're going to sign, re-sign Paris, and you're going to put him on the left side, and and you've got that. And so it just came to really down. It came really down. Came down to that. They re-signed Beecham. They drafted Paris Johnson, which made Josh Jones's spot much more tenuous. If this t- if this coaching staff had viewed him as being able to play guard, I'm sure they they would have given a longer look. But it clearly did not view him as a guard because they only used him to tackle this offseason. and so. Uh, I wasn't surprised. I saw the writing. I felt I felt that it was either going to be Jones or Beecham on the roster, and I felt probably that that Jones was going to get traded because he had the he had the upside. There was the ability that like a young tackle can can fetch more on the open market, and so that's that's it. So coming up next on the Rise of Seward podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. We're going to move on and talk about the third the third trade of the day, which is very interesting with questions moving forward, and that's for quarterback Josh Dobbs. That's coming to next on Rise of Sea We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, the best star of Cardinals talk on the web. The third trade of the day on Thursday was for a quarterback. It was a quarterback that many had suggested might probably be a target for the Cardinals in the offseason. Um, the final trade of the day, the Cardinals traded a fifth-round pick and ended up being so... Uh, the Cardinals had three fifth-round picks after the other trades that they'd made. They traded the fifth that they got from the Philadelphia Eagles, sent it to the Cleveland Browns to acquire quarterback Josh Dobbs and Cleveland's seventh-round pick, which it's an interesting thing. Dobbs, who was very, very interesting story because last year he was he was kind of the, the number three, number two, number three guy. On He was basically a third-string quarterback in in Cleveland last year and 
Then, when Deshaun Watson came back, he was released. He got picked up by Detroit and ended up finishing the season with the Tennessee Titans, started a couple times. He's been in the league since 2017, drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, he, not much, honestly, he just, there's to say about his career so far that he's stuck around in the NFL since 2017. But, important note, offensive coordinator for the Cardinals, Drew Petzing, was the quarterback's coach last year. And... And Dobbs was a free agent. And, you know, thought maybe he could be a target. Now, I, I think I was looking more at Kellen Mond uh, because he worked there. But Dobbs was a possibility. And now Dobbs actually has two connections, multiple, actually three connections to the, to the Cardinals in the new system because you got Drew Petzing, who was the quarterback's coach there in Cleveland last year. He started the last two games of the year for, for Tennessee, or started two games last year for Tennessee. That's where Monty Austinfort was in the front office, one of the executives there for the Titans last season. And his time with the with the Lions, of course, assistant GM Dave Sears was the director of scouting, or rather the the basically directing over there for the Lions. Granted, that's a different area, but Sears would have seen him, would have evaluated him in some in some capacity there in the building. Dobbs, I don't know what to make of him. I, I sort of figured that in the offseason they might pick up a guy like a Dobbs or a a Kellen Mond, a guy that knew the offensive system that Petsing was bringing but wasn't going to necessarily be a guy that would supplant Colt McCoy. And I kind of feel the same way because Dobbs hasn't done anything in his career um, other than be in a few places. Um the Browns actually re-signed him this offseason to a one-year, two million, completely guaranteed deal, five hundred thousand up front, one point five million in, in, in guaranteed salary. He was he was on track to be the backup quarterback to Deshaun Watson, and but they drafted UCLA quarterback Dorian uh, Thompson Robinson DTR, who's been fantastic in the preseason. And interesting note is that we found out on uh, from Tony Grossi. Grossi, I had him pronounce it for one of the ESPN stations in Cleveland for Land of, um, just a website that kind of does some stuff, but uh, a legit reporter, said that uh, Dobbs actually almost signed with the Cardinals in the offseason. So we, we, we can basically know that the Cardinals wanted Dobbs early in the offseason. They initiated the call to the Browns. Uh, I don't know at what point that happened, whether that was over the weekend, was it was after the game against the Chiefs. At what point did they decide that they needed to get a different quarterback other than have Colt McCoy, Clayton Toon, until Kyler Murray gets back? Now, if there's one thing that I think this suggests, and I don't, I don't know if Bob's is going to come in and then start in week one. Well, Colt McCoy hasn't looked good, but I don't know. I don't know. But it's not like you can look at Josh Dobbs you know, body of work in the NFL and think that he's going to compete in two weeks for a starting job? I don't know. But I think there's one thing that this does, I think, firmly say. And that Kyler Murray is going to start the season on PUP because if he weren't, why would you need another quarterback? If he were going to come off PUP and be on the active roster and sit for one to three weeks, 
they wouldn't need to have a third quarterback. Unless they're done with Colt McCoy, and that's going to be a stretch. Unless Colt himself decides to retire, he has a chunk of money guaranteed in his salary this year. And he all offseason told his kids they're not getting they're not getting a dog yet if you remember that story but he's due to make 3 and a, 3 and 3 quarter million dollars 3 and 3 quarter million dollars that's the most salary he has earned that's the highest salary of his entire career at age 37 why would you walk away from that 2 and a quarter of that is fully guaranteed so the cardinals viably could cut him but they would still have to pay him more than 2 million dollars they it's not one of those cases of the it's not just like the dead money against the cap. They would actively have to pay him to not be on the team anymore. That's 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 a normal thing for other sports. Like that that happens in baseball when you DFA a guy, that because those those contracts are guaranteed. NFL contracts are not like that. So very interesting thing. So do I think that Dobbs is going to supplant McCoy? I don't think so. But since they don't, they, I think the decision is okay going to start the season in PUP. That means you need you probably need three quarterbacks on your roster. And with the emergency quarterback rule, the third quarterback rule, where you don't have to burn a roster spot on game day, but you do have to burn a roster spot in the 53 for a third quarterback to be able to use it. I, I think that that allows them to then push Clayton Tune down the depth chart so that they can develop him and not expect him to be up like everyone thinks the Cardinals are tanking right everyone thinks they're gonna be terrible but don't talk to Jonathan Gannon about that he's trying they're trying to set up a roster that can survive until Kyler gets back and if they start with Colt McCoy Josh Dobbs is the backup and then Clayton Tune is your third stringer and that kind of builds things moving forward. So you've got a young developing guy. You've got a veteran, uh, a savvy veteran that knows the system. And you've got your placeholder starter in McCoy. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing. Some suggest that is Dobbs going to be the week one starter? I don't know. I, I just don't think so. Is he going to be the week two starter? Oh, that, that's always possible. There's also another possibility. What if Colt McCoy's hurt? He got hurt at the end of uh, right before the season last year, strained his calf, and so that's something to watch. If Colt McCoy is injured, well, then they needed to get another quarterback because they didn't want to start the season with Clayton Toon or David Blau, and we can basically say goodbye to David Blau. Goodbye, David Blau. It was nice knowing you. You had... You had a nice scene on, on Hard Knocks with the with the card trick with Cliff Kingsbury, and you also had the nice comeback drive in first preseason game to pick up the victory. Good for you. Like, it's fantastic. I, I root for all NFL players. Having covered in the locker room for the Cardinals, uh, minus the COVID year since 2012, football players are pretty, most of the time, they're good dudes. They're just, they're legitimately, they're, they're fairly young guys trying to make an impact in a league that, that just spits out players. It's an unforgiving league. It's an unforgiving sport. But he's he's not. It's just not his job. He's not going to do it. And so I, I don't. I believe that the Dobbs move is to either, one, give them depth so they don't need to start Clayton Toon until Kyler Murray gets back. 
And I think it says that Kyler Murray's not going to be back by week one. And he won't be back by week two. And he won't be back by week three. In fact, I'm certain he's going to start the season on PUP, which means we're looking at least week five or later for his return, which is kind of what I predicted. I predicted uh, a week six return. Is Josh Dobbs a move that we should get excited about? No, there is nothing about Josh Dobbs' game that is that will move the needle per se um, any more than, say, if you were to go out and sign Brett Hundley, and we've had Brett Hundley or or even a Chris Strebler, Josh Dobbs is a guy. He's a guy who's smart. Um, obviously, he's been good enough to to be on rosters for the last five seasons to kind of work his way up where they predicted. They planned on him being the backup to Deshaun Watson last year. He's got some athleticism. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if he ends up starting quarterback, I don't know if it, I don't, I don't think the Cardinals are in a better situation or necessarily a worse situation than Colt McCoy. He's just... Kind of a less accomplished, younger Colt McCoy, essentially. So yeah, doesn't it's fun for the roster, but I don't think it's as big as we thought. Coming up next on the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast, best our Cardinals talk on the web. Let's let's talk about what the Cardinals now have in the draft and what what we can talk about in the preseason finale on Saturday. That's coming up next on Rise Up Sea Red. Back on the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast, best our Cardinals talk on the web. The final segment of the show. With this solo show, I hope you haven't minded listening to just me in this show, but uh, the Cardinals now, with the moves that they made, have 12 draft picks in 2024. Um, well, they have 11. They have 11 and are projected to have a 12 as a compensatory pick. And this is how it kind of goes. So they have their own first-round draft pick. They own the Houston Texans. First-round draft pick. They have their own second-round draft pick. They have three picks in the third round. They have their own. They have the Texans and they have the Titans. They have their own fourth-round pick and are projected to get a fourth-round compensatory pick. In the fifth round, they now have two. They did have three until the Josh Dobbs trade, so they have their own fifth-round pick. They have the Texans' fifth-round pick. They no longer have the Eagles' fifth-round pick. And they do not have a sixth-round pick because they traded that for Chosen Anderson. Best deal ever. And they have two seventh-round selections. They have the Giants' seventh, second seventh-round selection and now the Browns' seventh-round selection. Even if the Cardinals aren't take, like they're not actively trying to lose games, they are looking ahead to 2024, for sure. 12 draft picks, a ton of cap space. The plan is, if Kyler Murray is comes back healthy and plays well, then you're in position to make a big splash and be really good in 2024. We'll see if that happens. Now, um, that gives them six selections in the top 100 and then six depth picks after that for day three. That's a, that's a good deal. They've really said, and, and assuming, because they could have two top five picks next year, that one of those selections is going to be traded for a haul, which would give them draft capital moving forward in 2025 and beyond. And so um, in terms of acquiring sets, Monty Austin Fort has really set himself up very nicely. But as for the preseason game on Saturday, 
I don't expect. I don't. This is a preseason finale. This is this will be like if you if you watch the XFL or if you watch the USFL, that's what these games are. This is an entire game of of the USFL, where you have young guys and backups playing. You're not going to really see any. I doubt. I doubt any starters play. You're not going to see Colt McCoy. It will probably be a lot of Clayton Toon and David Blau. I'm guessing Josh Dobbs doesn't play because the game's in two days. And he hasn't been here. That was not a move for the preseason game. That was a move for the regular season. I don't expect to see James Conner in the game. I question if they will even have Keontae Ingram. So if they're top two backs, if Ingram has locked up the number two spot, then I I expect to see it's probably going to be a showcase of Amari DeMarcado, Corey Clement. If Tyson Williams healthy, he can play again. or And maybe some Stevie Scott. At receiver, no Hollywood. I doubt, I, I wonder if even Michael Wilson will play. Uh, or if he plays, it'll be just a little bit. Uh, the rookie. Uh, you'll see a lot of, you'll see a lot of Greg Dort, Andre Pichelia, Davian Dave, those guys. Those guys. The tight end, no. Zach Ertz isn't going to play, nope. I wonder if Trey McBride, Trey McBride might play a little bit. Probably not Jeff Swain. And then just a bunch of Blake Whitehart, Joe Honig for Bernhard Sykovitz. Um, the offensive line, um, you're going to see. You know, I wonder if even Kevin Beecham will play. Kev, Beecham might play a little early. and But I would expect to see Jackson Barton, Badar Traore, um, you know, John Gaines, uh, Dennis Daly. You're not going to see any. You're not going to see back. You're not going to see the starters. Um, yeah, you're going to see young guys, and the young guys are going to get. It's going to basically look like a rotation that you would normally have in a regular season game with the young guys. So yeah, it's basically a USFL game, and the Cardinals are not big underdogs this time. They're only one and a half point underdogs. But honestly, what these games are, are are bonkers. Don't don't bet those. And if you do want to bet, bet all the games and bet the underdog on the money line. Get those positive odds. You're probably gonna, you're probably gonna win money because even if you split, if you split those games eight and eight, because of the positive odds that you get, you're gonna win. So yeah, if, if you want to play that game, sounds like a plan. Um, you don't. What you don't want to see, you don't want to see any major injuries, especially to to promers. Um you want to see certain players kind of show out. This would be a great game for Keitra Clark or Christian Matthew to sort of come out and, and make big plays and kind of give you promise for what's coming in the regular season. Uh, it's This is extended play for the rookies. I don't know if Paris Johnson will play much either. Uh, but, but yeah, so your, your late-round picks, your undrafted guys – and just guys that, that you want to see. They, these are showcasing for other teams because cuts are coming Tuesday and then the practice squad. And, and probably most of the guys that are on the practice squad are, were, are in, in, the, in the building already. But, yeah. Um, with that, I, I will go ahead and wrap up this show. There's not much we need to talk about against the Vikings. Do we want to see him win? I don't know. I don't, this, this game is for the hardcore fans, hardcore fans. like you just want to watch football. You don't care who it is, but you want to see your team with the uniform that you like to see. You want to see them playing, and 
then the hardcore guys, you're just getting you want to you want to kind of watch and play pretend scouts and, and things like that. And for me, I want to see how things shake out. I want to see how the roster is going to get built. And then after that, then it's on to the regular season. And I'll have I'll put together another show. It'll be Saturday or Sunday, which we'll talk about our roster projections. And we will record on Tuesday night, which means we will get to talk about the initial 53-man roster. And with that, this is episode 454. I'm Jess Root. Thanks for listening as always. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Whoa!